you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Coach Carrie Paul. Welcome, Carrie. Hey, welcome, Matt. Hi, thanks for having me. I am super excited to first to have a chat. We're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, which is personal development and growth and how we sort of help business owners get along with that. But before we jump into all of that, could you tell me and the audience a little bit more about yourself and how you ended up where you are right now? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as a holistic business coach, um, what I really help my clients with is understanding their personal blocks and boundaries and limitations and help them navigate the way in which that's showing up in their business in ineffective ways. So as a business owner, we really want to be productive and effective um, and feel super confident about everything that we do in our business. And as entrepreneurs, we know that there's a lot of things that we need to do. And some of those things we don't feel particularly great about. Um, it's been two decades in personal development for me to learn a lot about um, human beings and how we work and why we do certain things and also how we make decisions and why we don't take action on stuff um, and what we try and avoid. So I work from that space as well as then bringing in my um, two decades of uh, business experience, working with entrepreneurs when I was in my very young um, early 20s. And that was really just like a side gig to my corporate career. I just loved networking and I loved using my, my management skills to be able to help people really create a vision of their business and then bring that into an actionable plan and step-by-step and step I'd do some coaching with them to bring that plan into place. So um, there was that. And then I started my renovation business when I was in my mid-20s. So I had a full full scope renovation company that I built from scratch, no clients, no industry experience, no website, no business card, no nothing. Um, and being a female in a male dominated um, environment, that obviously was quite challenging at times to constantly being able to prove myself that yes, I knew what I was doing. Um, and there was heaps of transferable skills that I took into that business as well. And I ran that very successfully and built that up into a very big business um, within eight years. And yeah, then I, I sort of just continued my my learning journey and my growth journey and took a couple of years, a couple of years off and um, shared my skills and resources elsewhere in a couple of different industries, in the health industry, um, as well as in the conduction construction industry as well um, to wind up here bringing it all together working with business owners in their personal development journey their mindset um, their emotional space and relieving them of their blocks and coupling that into their business so it's quite practical and it's very tangible yeah so it's, it's fun and exciting I really love it excellent that sounds that sounds a lot of fun um the first thing I sort of that stood out to me is uh, why why does people not do things? Why do they not take action? Why do we not take action? Oh, well, I think some of the common ones are 
because we feel like we're going to be judged. And we don't sometimes have the confidence because we don't believe that we can do certain things. And so if we think that we're setting ourselves up for failure, we just won't do it at all. So we have this inbuilt sabotage benchmark that sort of says, don't stand out too much because you'll get seen and you'll get noticed and people will judge you or people will have an opinion of you. And what we personally think that other people think of us, we rank as being really important. And so that is one of the biggest sabotages. And the other one is just not feeling that we're good enough or that we're respected or we're appreciated or whatever that driver is, is also a reason why we don't do things. Interesting. So if we feel like we're not good enough, we just won't even try sometimes. Why bother? Why do I just take that next step in my business? Because it probably won't work anyway. And you have these like stories that we loop like a tape over and over in our mind. Interesting. Yeah, definitely, definitely sound common to things I've heard from many business owners before. So that makes sense. That makes sense. So you work with a lot of different types of entrepreneurs and in sort of a different situations on different levels and so on. What what are some of the most other most common things that you see that, that people really struggle with? Uh, yeah, so on two scales, like if I can sort of go right from the beginning, so new entrepreneurs starting up, one of the biggest things is they don't know what they don't know. So they're great at their particular um, modality or their service or their product, whatever it is that they've gone into because they're passionate and they're inspired and they've gone, I want to make this a business and I want to go out there and they're all full of enthusiasm and then they start and they're a bit like, oh, actually, I'm not really too sure about the business side of things. And so there's some sort of key foundational stuff that they miss out in building their business. And that's one, one common thing is that they don't know what they don't know. And then on the few years down the track, um, I generally find that it's sort of three years to about five years. The business owner, the entrepreneur, has actually created this full steam ahead business around them. Somehow they've got themselves into the situation where they're super, super busy, but they're glued into absolutely everything. And yeah. then they have the blind spots that they... They can't see because they're, if I give you an analogy, it's a little bit like um, they're in a jar. So they're inside their business so much. They're ingrained with everything. Everything, all operational stuff happens because of them. Um, very few staff because most small business owners can't afford to put on a lot of staff or can't have department managers and things like that at that stage. And so they're inside this jar, but there's a label on the outside of the jar and they can't see the label because they're on the inside. So they can't see their blind spot. They don't know what it is that they need to actually change or processes they need to put in place to start ungluing themselves to get better um, systemizations, processes and, and better operational procedures where they could start to outsource um, or get some better efficient processes that they're not having to recreate things all the time. They're starting to template um, and, and free up and leverage a bit of their time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And what, what, what's sort of the best ways to go around it? Like if, if, if you're a small business owner sitting 
listening out there right now and you're feeling in that situation like you're glued to everything and, and nothing happens if you're not doing it what what are sort of the right steps or what are the things that you'd want to be looking at yeah i think i think the biggest thing is to sit down for a moment you've got to create some time in your business so rather than you extend your business hours and work, start working crazy crazy hours we're going to burn out You've got to start looking at, okay, within my business hours, write down all of the things that cause you stress and overwhelm. I think that's the biggest place to start. Um, the next thing is to write down what are the most repetitive things that I'm doing? Because sometimes when we look at the repetitive things that we're doing, is there a process or a digital platform or a tool or a resource that can help to make that workflow much, much easier? If it's already got a process to it and it's just that you're doing it over and over and over again, then is that possible? And stay curious with the questioning when you're being objective to your business because we need to remove the emotional attachment that we have to the business. Um, somebody else will be able to do it as good as you if you outsource a process. And it doesn't have to be a whole lot of the business. It could just be you know, a little bit of social media or it could be checking some emails, like you might get a PA on board or something to just help you support and navigate some areas of the business so that you can start to alleviate your time. Yeah, I think from there, you, you, you need to start having a bit more of an objective look into the business. So right. what could have a process and what has a process already that you might be able to outsource? What causes you the biggest stress and um, what's overwhelming for you? especially what are you avoiding? What causes you the most amount of friction and agitation that you just stomach just, you know, just sinks and you get this heavy feeling when you have to pick up the phone and make a call or when you have to go to your accountant or when are you getting that real heaviness and that real resistance, that friction, as I like to call it, when does that show up? Because that's an area that they need to work on and that might be a mental emotional shift um, as opposed to a practical process. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And and from a, like when you're in that situation, it can often be hard though to sort of see the way out, right? Because I, I think a lot of people have been in the situation where you're walk, working nonstop and you feel like you're working 25 hours a day. Um, how do you find out that, find the time how do you free up some time like what what's sort of your process when you work with clients to to help them scope in a little bit of time to do these things because they're important yeah look, everyone's a little bit different as to how they view their time and the relationship they have with time um, we will allocate time to something if we see a personal value to it if we see that it's important enough as a human being we will commit the time to it so my question would be to entrepreneurs that are sitting down at the moment going, holy heck, like I need to unpick myself from this a little bit. I know I need some change, but I don't know what that change is. Start asking some curious questions, um, you know, data dump your thing and take like 10 minutes in the morning while you're having your cup of coffee rather than check your emails or jump onto your phone straight away just clear a little bit of space while you're just having your coffee to go, okay, so what do I feel needs to change? And just do that every day. Like if you do that five days a week, 
for 10 minutes in the morning, you've created nearly an hour that you've started to think and dialogue your business. Another great way is to go to a mentor because they already know the roadmap. Somebody who's been on that path before, have created businesses before, have been in that situation where they've been totally glued to their business. Um, they know what it's like to feel totally stuck and trapped and not have the leverage and freedom that we actually were inspired to create in our business in the first place, right? Yeah. So go to somebody that you trust or find a business coach or a mentor um, that you can align with that you know, has similar values to you or works in the similar sort of industry, um, somebody that's been recommended, have that chat, have that initial call um, and, and sometimes voicing it out is a way of somebody else being able to reflect back to you some tips and some pointers for you to then go away and look at and and it doesn't have to take like weeks and weeks to just identify what it is that needs to to work on um, once you've identified the area that you need to work on and it just has to be one area we're not we don't we can't change everything straight away yeah. it takes time to move something in a different direction that makes sense that makes sense what like like I see a, I see a lot of people in in these kind of situations, right? And and one of the yeah. biggest things I see is often like like there's sort of three main areas I see. So one is they haven't really fully determined the right business delivery, uh, as in they haven't really been clear on who am I targeting and what am I selling, right? So very often they end up selling like a multitude of things, a multitude of items and multitude of services to very different people and mm. they're not very clear in their offering how they're going to do it and often one of the reasons why they sort of see themselves in difficulty is because they see that they're the only one who can do it and that's often the case because the services are often so very different so what do you generally think for these kind of people who have built themselves into these kind of traps like how how do you get out of that? Well, I, I'm definitely a believer in alignment. One, you've got to do things that you're purposefully passionate about um, that give you the most amount of joy and enlightenment and fulfillment, not only for you, but for your clients on the other side. Um, that to me is key because even though, yes, we might work lots and lots of hours sometimes, um, ideally, we don't, don't want to do that for too long because we know our nervous systems just don't cope with that. Um, but you want to be aligned 100%. So if it's not giving you joy, then that would, that would for me, would be reflection on going, okay, well, do I really need to be doing this particular product or service if it doesn't float my boat? Because when you're doing something that you really, really love, the, the energy is endless. It's like a wellspring that you tap into. And there's a lot of different possibilities and opportunities that come alive and um, land in your lap, so to speak, when you're totally congruent to something that you love. Um, I would recommend that you separate the clients that you want to work with, not, not being, and this also comes down to a little bit of mindset, is not cap trying to capture everybody in the pool even if they're people that you don't really want to work with or not really going to be of best service with, always align with your 
particular values. So making sure that we understand why we do things, what our motivators are. Um, you know, do we have a high value of um, community? Do we have a high value of, um, you know, money? Some people are really motivated by money. Other people are really motivated by um, growth. Some are motivated by both, you know, but there's, there's probably, I think on my values chart, when I go through to identify um, working with my clients, what their values are, their values create their integrity and that's their business integrity, which then flows onto their reputation. Um, and that's what they're attracting. They're the clients that they're attracting are the, the clients that also have similar sort of values and they're looking for that support on that level. And when we identify our values, we know what makes us happy. We, we know how our purpose is aligned to that. And then we can position our offers and all of our processes within our company according to those values. So everything always stays in alignment. We know why we're sending out our marketing messaging the way that we're sending that out. Um, the marketing message aligns with the offer and the product and the service and the benefits that the client is going to receive from that. And we're attracting the clients that we really love and really want to work with whilst we're still doing something that we really love. So for me, that's, you know, nailing your niche. And that's all of that that I've just mentioned, those, those four key areas. Um, that's, that's crucial to me. If you're not doing something that you love in the way that you really love to do it, in a way that works for you, then why are you doing it? That, that's always my question. Right. Business always grows much, much faster when everything's in alignment. Amazing sense. possibilities and opportunities come in when everything's in alignment. Yep, that, that definitely resonates. So another challenge I see for a lot of people is that they, they're probably doing what I would call undercharging or they're not charging enough. How, yes, how do you figure out... Totally. How do you figure out how much to charge for your services? Like what, what's the right level? How do you determine it? Does it change over time? Like how, how do you help people with that? Definitely. I do see that quite a lot. And I see that with entrepreneurs just starting out because they haven't got the, you know, the, the historical record of this is what I have been charging. Is it time to put up my prices? So they sort of just start. And my recommendation to that is have a look around in the community, in the marketplace and see who else is doing similar services to you. What are they including in their offers or their package or with their products or, you know, how are they presenting themselves? What are they providing for that um, amount of money that they're charging? And then see, okay, so what are, what's that business owner for them? What are they prepared to give? And what would be a fair market price for what it is that they're, that they're giving? So it's a little bit competitor analysis. And we sort of also have to look at, okay, so what's the reputation involved? You know, you can't compare a brand new startup with, um, you know, somebody who's been running that race for 15 years. So they're very different. So just find your sweet spot. And I know I'm sort of like, um, 
you know, generalizing here and saying, oh, just find your sweet spots really easy. Start with your competitors, have a look at what they offer, then have a look at what you offer and then go, okay, so how comfortable would I be to say to my client, I charge, you know, $230 an hour or I charge $23 an hour. And that I find is really interesting. So that's the practical exercise. But the not so practical exercise is then going within to the mindset and going, okay, so where is, where is my money benchmark set? And where are my emotional beliefs set? Because those setting points will govern whether the motivator is lack and fear or love and abundance. And it's amazing how often I see that without working on that mindset and emotional belief statements and, and all of that gear that drive us, you can set your price to whatever you like, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to reach your goals. And so fear of success, I have found, is far greater in these last five years than fear of failure in the, in the previous 15 years. So something in our psyche has definitely shifted, but most entrepreneurs, especially ones that I've worked with, um, have a fear of success more than they have a fear of failure, which I found really interesting. So what does that look like? How does someone know if they have a fear of success? Well, it does come out through your language. So how we talk to ourselves and how we talk to other people um, does, you know, does resonate that, that our language holds a vibration and everything is a vibration which then attracts um, its equal. So let's say we have a goal to achieve a certain amount of money of income for the business for the year. That's great on paper. But if we have a fear of success, we might language certain things in a way that we're going, oh, but, you know, I can't achieve this or that because people might see me as, you know, salesy or pushy or, or you know, something along those kinds of lines. We have these little stories that we tell ourselves that, have us still got the foot on the brake as much as we sort of designed all of our stuff on paper, all of our goals and, and things in the theory of having our, our foot on the accelerator as well. So we're accelerator and brake. And when we're geared to the fear of failure, it's almost like it's defeatism, it's victimism. It's, it's already like, oh, you know, the taxes are too high. I can't do this because nobody wants to buy my stuff you know it's it's a little bit more internal in the sense of I'm going to push that away and have my foot on the brake because it's not so much how people are going to see me and perceive me and it's not that I might get um when we have a fear of success we think people aren't going to like us anymore when we have a fear of failure people already don't like us it's a little bit I'm not sure if I'm making that clear enough, but when we have a, when we have the fears of failure, we are already defeated. We already have that lack language. There's less inspiration in the way that we talk. 
Um, why bother going for those goals? Because, you know, I'm not going to hit it anyway. They're absurd. Nobody pays me the money that I'm worth. That kind of language. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that makes sense. I'm mostly curious of how people can detect it in themselves because I think I think it's hard to understand if you're actually in a situation like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, and this is where working with clients, I haven't had clients that have worked it out themselves. It's come through when we've done our one-on-ones and we've done the, done the discussion where then I can filter in through different conversations and different questions based on that individual's experience to go, oh, okay, so it's more the fear of success. So let me try and and put it in a way that listeners might be able to start thinking about their dialogue, their internal dialogue, because that's the first thing. You've got to have awareness of what are we saying to ourselves? What is that story? What is that repetition? What are we avoiding? Why don't we do things? We've got to have that internal curiosity first because if we don't have that awareness, you will never spot anything. So the questions that they can ask is stay, again, really curious. What would my business look like if I earned, let's say, 50 times more than what they're earning right now? Like if we really put that as an overstretch, not something that not 10% where, oh, it's kind of achievable, you know, Let's just put that as dramatically more. So with that, we want to say, what would my business look like if I was earning, you know, 50% or 100% more than what I'm earning now? And then see what the internal dialogue throws back. And then ask the question, okay, well, what would change in my life? And then see what the internal dialogue throws back. So it's almost like you have to have a conversation with yourself and go through the step-by-step of going, okay, so if this happens, what does it look like? Um, Who's most affected by, like if I became rich and famous, how would I feel about that? What would happen in my life about that? Would I lose friends? Would I lose family? Um, What's important to me about being rich and famous? Now I'm just going outlandish. It doesn't have to be as dramatic as that. But whatever success looks like for you as a business owner. And you want to you sort of stay curious and have a line of inquiry with yourself to go, okay, so if I got to that level of success, which is usually far beyond their friends and family and their inner circle, other business colleagues and stuff, because yeah. they're an entrepreneur and they're, they're achieving for more than what generally their their social group or family group is achieving. And so what is then thrown up in that that internal dialogue is generally some resistance. And part of it goes, well, I might be ostracised. I might be kicked out of my clan. And what would be the worst thing with that? If they really value those relationships, they will let go of, their aspiration for fame and fortune or whatever that success picture looks like to make sure that they maintain the relationship. And so that would be a fear of success. Will they be cut down? Will they be made fun of? And then what happens with that, if I can go one step further, is I don't want to do my marketing so much because 
I have to then be visible. And if I'm visible, then people will have an opinion of me and then I will also be judged. So that prevents a lot of entrepreneurs because it's come from that initial fear of success. I don't want to stand out. I don't want to be different from everybody else. But you know the biggest thing is as an entrepreneur and a business owner, you are already different to everybody else. You know, you are going on a path that you're creating largely yourself. And so sometimes it feels like a lonely path because you're not creating it with everybody else. The buck stops with us. Yeah. You know, the business, the business relies on us as the business owner, which is why doing the inner work is just so important because if we don't have our self congruent and in alignment with what it is that we want and what we would want to achieve and how we want to run our business, if that isn't um, translated and decoded along the way, then we don't reach our full potential which means we can't have the, the biggest impact we can have in the world. And then we don't get that meaning and satisfaction and that, that purpose is, is received for us on, on a heart level. Makes sense. Makes sense, Kerry. I think that is, yeah, that's super interesting. Super interesting. Um, what, what kind of resources have you found have helped you the most sort of throughout your entrepreneurial journey so far um resources a couple of things so one was definitely having a mentor so I have always had a mentor ever since my 20s there have been different mentors along the way but somebody who just shines the light on my next step so I never get stuck in a spot because I always have somebody who's um that bit further ahead of me or that bit wiser or that bit deeper, richer experience that they've already had that I can draw on, which helps me shortcut my path. I don't have to go then and make all of those mistakes that they already made. I sort of just gather the information, get the cheat sheet, so to speak, and then go, okay, great. Well, I'll just apply that and then work my way through that bit. And the other thing is modalities um, like vibrational essences. I went and and became an advanced practitioner um, with the Australian bushflower essence, which is like a vibrational medicine. So it helps us beyond our body because we are all energy and everything comes back to energy. I work on that level because our body is very, very dense. And I also work with um, belief change process, a modality that I learned way back in my 20s, which helped me unhook from a lot of my fears that I had Um, a lot of those self-sabotaging and ineffective belief statements that were then driving all of my patterns of behaviour and my actions and my thoughts and my feelings about everything. Um, So that's definitely been very helpful. And sound meditation. I went to Nepal and I did um, a master sound healer practitioner course, brought my bowls back from from there. And I'm not very good at meditating like really not very good. It's very hard to shut my mind off and uh, come into my body and it's something I've had to really work on. Um, And I found sound healing practices actually just very effortlessly take me to that expansive space and that very, very present moment because a lot can be created from that present moment and we draw on a lot of wisdom from that present moment and I think it's very, very difficult in today's times especially 
where we have so much distraction and so much going on and so much on our to-do list and everybody wants a piece of us. And especially if you're a small business owner and you are that central hub, it's very difficult to get that time to just shut off and, and resource into your um, natural wisdom and potential, which is in that very present moment. And I found sound healing um, was, was one of the vital keys for me. Excellent. Thank you very much for that. If people are eager to connect with you or reach out to you and talk to you, what, what's the best way to get hold of you? Yeah, I think my um, my website is probably the easiest thing, which is beinginbusiness.org. And yeah, that's you can always just send me a message or an email through there. That's probably the best. Uh, any free workshops or resources or tools. I'm just still building up my website. Actually, I've just changed it from, a, from an old one. So there'll be lots more tools and resources coming along, but that's the best way to, to connect in, I think. Fantastic. Thank you very, very much for joining me today, Carrie. Oh, you're very welcome. I hope that um, that's been insightful um, and helpful on some levels, any level for your clients. Excellent. And to the audience, thank you very much for hanging on all the way to the end. We'll be back again next week. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.